This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Mike in for Dave. For First Nation communities in Canada, access to clean drinking water has been a critical issue for years. Indigenous Service, Services Minister Patty Hyjus hopes to address this with a new bill set to be tabled this week. Michelle McQuig is the weekend news editor at the Canadian Press and has the details on this story. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm not too bad. So, uh, Michelle, let's start with this. So this bill seems to be a long time coming. This has been something that has been talked about. This issue, trying to address this issue, has been kind of something that's lingered within this uh, Liberal government for years. So what had been done to address this issue previously? Well, it's it's funny because I, I, I know exactly what you mean by saying when you say it feels like it's been a long time coming. Uh, but funnily enough, there actually was legislation in place to address this issue tabled by the previous government, and it was on the books until last June. So there actually was legislation in place, uh, which I had not even remembered for the longest time. But so th- th- what the Liberal government was facing there was pressure first to to address and change that federal law that was tabled in 2013 under the Harper government. There was pressure to revise that law that never came to pass. So eventually it was repealed. And what's going to happen this week is the replacement legislation is due to be tabled. So in, in, and then also we'll come back to this one, I'm sure, but in, in the course of that whole process that I just outlined, there was also a big federal court decision aimed to address this issue. And that was asking, or excuse me, resulted in $8 billion settlement to any First Nations communities that had been under a boil water advisory for more than a year. And that spanned quite a huge time period of 1995 to 2021. So that was another area where there was some movement on this particular file, but mm-hmm. uh, that's why I think it's it's all kind of piecemeal and there's different jurisdictions in place that are making and, this all feel more protracted than perhaps it is. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, it has been a bit piecemeal. There have been, you know, there was the, the, uh, the Harper uh, government um, kind of uh, law in place that then got, uh, is being replaced by, by this bill. So what details are there currently around this bill? Are there any details of what could uh, be included? This will be a short answer. No, there are none. There, we have no idea whatsoever what's coming with this. So the, the one thing we have been told is that this bill was, quote unquote, co-developed with Indigenous communities. But there's some debate around that, too, uh, in, in with some saying that they have not been consulted. So we don't even know what that consultation process looked like, let alone what it resulted in. But uh, details expected in the next few days. Very good. So what we will do then is we'll we'll leave this story for now and we'll we'll follow along with it as uh, more more details emerge. Hopefully later this week we get a bit more of an understanding what this bill is going to look like and what details are going to be involved in mm-hmm. that. But let's move on to the second story, which is related to what the daily poll conversation was around the Canadian yes, Charter of Rights that. and Freedom. And so, Michelle, like, what can you tell me about this story? I find it very interesting with this, these polls and, and the results that came yeah, out of it. it. It is interesting. So uh, the polling from Léger 
conducted this poll. Of, it was an online survey, about 1,500 people. And some of the most striking findings are, for instance, only one third of those respondents acknowledged having read the charter. But even among those who have, uh, there, there are discrepancies around whether or not they agree with the opening line of the charter. Um, the biggest takeaway, though, really coming back to the main point, is that only one third have even read the charter at all or acknowledged doing so. And more broad, in, in broader aspects of that sample, you come across huge discrepancies of the fact that, you know, most people don't think that the charter, um, most people, excuse me, confuse the charter of rights and freedoms in Canada with the Declaration of Independence in the United States, for instance. There was a statement in there that, uh, and a yes or no question as to whether or not Canada guarantees life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which of course is text from the United States document. 88% of those respondents said yes, when the, in fact, the answer is no. Um, mm -hmm. So there's low uptake of knowing the charter, um, but even among those who do, a lot of people are obviously getting major facts wrong. There's discrepancies about whether people know that the federal government can actually live at pro provincial rights. Um, it is quite interesting. And, and the big, big takeaway is people just don't know the charter very well. Yeah. And, and, my secret tell always whenever there's that kind of question is like is this include that that line is not nearly technical enough to be in the canadian charter michelle i don't know about you but anytime i look at it it's like oh there's like 16 caveats and in, in, in uh kind of definitions within a single line that really kind of frame the charter mm -hmm. to make it feel like a very technical uh um uh document but i'm curious how familiar you are with with the charter michelle you know we we both work in in the news industry chase stories talking about a lot of issues surrounding the rights of Canadians, especially on the news panel and some of the stories you're covering. So how familiar are you with the Canadian Charter? And I have to admit, I, here I am backing up the poll results through my own lived experience. I have, I've looked at the Charter for various stories, but I've never read it from front to back, um, mm. especially when I had to do some writing about Ontario's invocation of the notwithstanding clause a couple of times. So on those occasions, I had to read up on specific sections, and I, I did look at the source document there. So I know I do know what you mean about the, uh, the constant footnotes and then the caveats around language, but it's uh, no, it's not something I've sat down and read front to back. And, and reading this poll makes me think that perhaps I should do that. Um, yeah, and, and <laughs> not, I, I'm, I'm going to make yeah, I'm going to make you put on your your uh, kind of take off the journalist hat a bit and put on the editor. Do you think there should be some more education around the charter in, in schools? Obviously, you know, it, they, it doesn't necessarily come up in a standard conversation, as you say, is some of the results. It was a lot of Canadians confusing the Charter of Rights and Freedoms with the Declaration of Independence, with the, a lot of the American language that seems to really permeate. Mm -hmm. In many conversations, we don't quite have that with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, do you think there should be more education around it uh, in terms of whether it's in schooling or some other access to information just to make sure that Canadians are informed? Okay, well, I, I can't answer that one in a professional capacity, but from a personal perspective only, yes, I, I would be a champion of of more education on this one. And that's certainly what this poll is trying is. The, the ultimate message from the pollsters is that this kind of thing is necessary because of the uh, pretty widespread levels of ignorance, but a pretty foundational document. So, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's pretty easy to make the case for, for extended education or at least not even extended, some fundamental education on this issue. I, and, yeah, so I, I always wonder, too, it's like, you know, are there, it's this 
almost a part of a an access issue. Elizabeth Moeller brought up a great point in in the conversation with the Daily Poll that you know there there are plain text documents available. The uh, government can is making this uh, information accessible. I guess is whether or not it needs to be more of a, a push or a focus to try to seek out this information or or, or make Canadians aware. Hey, we have this information available. It, it like should there almost be like a a bit of a marketing push to be like be informed like you could use this poll almost as a jumping off point or, or as like in the infographics like hey how informed are you about canada and its laws yeah well there's been a number of polls over the years some written by me some many written more about written by my colleagues about general lack of knowledge on on canadian matters anyway the one that i remember writing myself was the one that determined that the vast majority of poll respondents for that one had not heard of people like ellen montgomery um Nellie McClung, like like famous Canadian women with notable accomplishments, and people had not heard of them. So, and and this comes up time and again with all kinds of historical issues. So you wonder about uh, the history curriculum in general, and maybe that needs to be revisited and revived. Um, as for this particular issue, I think it would be like I, I agree, it would be interesting to see if someone wants to use this as a jumping off point for some revisions. But I think it would be also important to, in terms of teaching it to make people understand why it matters what having a document like this represents, what it actually means. And that actually circles back to another finding in that poll is that a lot of people give pretty low rank to some of the group rights that it protects. Uh, there's more of a focus on the individual rights that are in play. Mm -hmm. uh, but people don't necessarily realize the impact of having a document like this as part of our constitutional framework really is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one last question, Michelle, before I, I let you go. This was a, uh, this poll was conducted online, and and part of the I guess the pros and cons of that is you don't necessarily have a gauge of how truthful people are being, or or kind of how accurate the information that is being collected, and is like you you can't have a uh, you you can't even really have the um, oh I forget the term the the terminology is margin of like, error uh, margin of error yes thank you uh, it's like you you can't even set that with online polls I, I'm wondering for you, no, you as 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 a reporter like how do you feel when when these polls are conducted online opposed to other methods that you can assign the margin of error to. It, polling is a deeply complicated one, and I don't know how much into the weeds I want to get on that because it's been a while since I revisited that issue and got truly knowledgeable about it. Uh, but the fact is that online polls are a mainstay of the polling landscape these days, so we work with what we have. Uh, there's pros and cons to both now, especially, too, with the, the reduction in people who are using traditional landlines or have blocking in place on, on their mobile phones, telephone polling is getting more difficult to conduct that much, I do know. Uh, so pros and cons to, to both, I'd say. Michelle, thank you so much. I, I know I, I kept you on a bit longer. Hopefully you can go enjoy your, your time off, recover a bit from the cold you're, you're dealing with. Oh, have yourself thank you. a yeah, wonderful sorry week. For and croaking in all of your ears just back there. No, sorry, not, not at all. <laughs> Hopefully you're feeling better by Friday for the now news panel. Go, <laughs> go and relax now. Your, your, Thanks, your time Alex. is done. Take care. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Michelle McQuig, the weekend news editor with the Canadian press. Coming up after the break, it's been a big year of travel for Kim Thistle, and she's going to reflect on the accessibility of tourist destinations from around the world. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI.
Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.